But when he gets even with the president, he just turns and heads straight toward him. His wonder hand got shot by the Secret Service, but they were so scared of that buffalo, they turned and ran, you know? I think they probably lost their jobs. Hi, I'm Gary LeFew, and welcome to uh, Trouble Expected. Today's subject is going to be about, um, I like to start out uh, the day with a little positive thinking saying, then we're going to go into a little uh, goal setting, and then I, uh, my featured uh, um, character today is going to be Buffalo Buddy Heaton, one of the, one of the most colorful characters in, uh, I think, in the whole American West, much less just the rodeo scene. He was he was an all-time altizer. Um but anyway, uh, getting back to uh, positive thinking sayings, um, one of the things I did during my rodeo career, I would click, I would click uh, every positive thinking saying I could find. They had in newspapers, they'd have, you know, people be quoting them. There's books of quotes of positive thinking sayings. But I made it a daily practice that every morning when I got up, I'd get out my little book of uh, positive thinking sayings. I closed my eyes and then I just you know, roll my fingers through them, open the page, and whatever positive thinking saying was there, that was going to be my uh, mantra for the day. Um, one time, uh, <clears throat> I uh, didn't start out the 4th of July real good. I got bucked off all three bulls uh, I got on at Cody, Wyoming, uh, had a great bull, uh, and uh, it started raining. My rope got wet, and I lost my rope, bucked off. I uh, went to, uh, to uh, Red Lodge, Montana later that afternoon. I was riding this bull, I was spurring him, and my spur got kept getting higher and higher. I thought it was going to go over his neck when I jerked it back, it kicked me right in the butt, and I slapped him and caused me the bull run. Um, then I uh, went on to Livingston, Montana, got bucked off there too. So so flying to over to Mobridge in, in Belfoot, South Dakota, South Dakota the next day, I was a little down in the dumps. So um, I got out my little positive thinking book, you know, closed my eyes, rolled through it, and when I opened it up, I started laughing said, when you're down in the mouth, remember Jonah, he got out. You know, so I just said, you know, you know, my life ain't all that bad of just bucking off three bulls is, is all this wrong. Today's a new day. Today, my hot streak starts. And, and uh, it did. I, 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 I rode and placed on a couple of bulls there at the Mobridge and Belfouche. And, uh, and then the rest of the summer was just had a, an incredible summer. So a lot of times it don't take more, a little more than just a, a little reminder how to think and how to keep your mind positive rather than let the negativity take over. One of my favorite sayings is, uh, is one by Paul J. Meyer, who used to uh, be the head of an outfit called Success Motivation. And uh, anyway, he said, whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe in, and enthusiastically act upon must inevitably come to pass. And when you really break that down, um, whatever you vividly imagine, everything starts in the imagination, you know? So uh, when you're dreaming about where you want to go, what you want to do with your life, uh, then you're in your imagination and you're daydreaming about this happening, that that happening. And, and naturally you, you want to think about success and what it feels like, what it tastes like. And, you know, um, define it to your mind as, as best you can uh, to where it really becomes real to your mind. Because they said the mind cannot tell the difference between a real experience and a vividly imagined experience. So if you went in for 30 days and just imagined that you uh, that you rode bulls, rope calves, team rope, barrel race, whatever you did, but just try to conjure up that the feeling of what it feels like, what it looks like, what it tastes like, you know, get all your senses involved, make it real. 
then that folds the subconscious mind into thinking it was a real experience. So if you say you have 30 days of these experiences, that would be like, you know, say you rode in bull riding, I rode five bulls a day in my imagination uh, times 30. Uh, you know, that'd be quite a few bulls ridden without getting bucked off. And if that was to happen in real life, you going into that next venture, you would have a lot of confidence. You know? And literally when I went to Denver, uh, that first year after, you know, programming my mind for two months, I never had that much confidence in my life because my mind acted just as if I'd rode 200 bulls in a row without getting bucked off. So uh, using your imagination is one of the, the greatest things that we have. And once you learn how to use it uh, constructively, you, it'll take you anywhere you want to go. So what do you vividly imagine, ardently desire? Um, my uh, my game was bull riding. So whenever you... Uh, you're riding bulls, uh, you better have a deep desire because you know, you're gonna get some ass kickings. Even when you're good, you get your ass kicked. But uh, starting out, uh, there's more ass kickings than there's not. Um, a lot of slammings, a lot of uh, you know, trips to the hospital for one little thing or another, you know, hopefully not too, too serious. Back in my day, you didn't have no vests, you didn't have no helmets, they got those now. So it really uh, diminishes um, you know, how, many, how many injuries you get, but um, the magic is, is, um, you know, you really got to want this game, you know, anything, damn near anything in rodeo, you got to want it because there's, uh, there's a lot of frustrating moments that are going to happen to you and you got to, you know, positive thinking will kind of let you ride through them. So whatever you vividly imagine, hardly desire, sincerely believe in. Um, when I showed up at Denver after two months of programming my mind, uh, I believed I could ride anything, you know. Uh, I never had that much confidence in my subconscious mind or in me at, at, in my whole life, you know, and uh, and that was a result of, uh, you know, just running the positive images of me riding and winning through my head over and over and over again. And pretty soon when the mind believed it, it almost becomes impossible not to happen. So whatever you vividly imagine, hardly desire, sincerely believe in. So uh, another philosopher said that uh, the only way that you can install belief or faith into your subconscious mind is through repetition of thought. So you go right back to repeatedly running end result. And, and it's real important to run end result uh, pictures through your mind. And, and, and the feeling is even more important than, than, than uh, what you're seeing, you know, because uh, when you feel it, you send out vibrations to the universe that starts drawing in the people and circumstances you need to make your goals become a reality. Feelings also really, uh, you know, they, uh, they build your subconscious or they, they kind of fortify everything in there because that, uh, that, that energy and then vibrations from those feelings not only program your mind, but they also, again, set up the law of attraction. Very important. So whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe in, and enthusiastically act upon. Enthusiasm uh, is magic. You know, when uh, in 1972, I cracked out uh, with three months left on, on the circuit, um, had a shirt said, I am hot. And, uh, you know, I was just playing. I was just, you know, I, I was wanting people to notice me again, um, to be talking about me again. Cause I know when you're talking about me and, and, uh, you know, that, that energy helps, you know, and how am I thinking about me, but other people say, man, wait, you see this kid, he can really ride and he can do this, he can do that. So that's, that's really important that you, uh, uh make that happen. And, um, Sorry about that. I got a calf in the room here. I'm just kind of keep him alive here. He's uh, 
he's just a few days old and uh, mama didn't take him. So we're just trying to uh, feed him and keep him alive. So anyway, so life goes on. So anyway, getting back to whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe in and enthusiastically act upon. Anyway, when I cracked out there in 72, uh, you know, I, I had this shirt said, I am hot. And I was raising my hands and I was, you know, I was doing things that no one had ever done in rodeo before. I was being really flamboyant, but uh, it was working. I was winning. You know, I I, um, I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but when I would vis stand in front of the shoot and I'd visualize my bull bucking, even though I had a bull that wasn't supposed to buck, I'd visualize him bucking. I'd, uh, I'd conjure up those feelings, what it felt like to step off of him after winning first, looking over my shoulder at the cowboys on the back of the shoot, shaking their head, going, that lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> and for some reason, and, and what we're finding out now that animals are, uh, they, have, they don't have upper level consciousness. They have, only have lower level consciousness. And uh, they, they uh, communicate through mental telepathy. So whatever your thoughts are, they're reading them whatever you're feeling, they're feeling it. So by conjuring up these pictures of, of my bull spinning and, uh, and me winning, it seemed to have effect on the bull because instead of scattering out through there like they normally did, they'd turn back and buck and I'd win first. And uh, I win one first after another, after another on bulls that wasn't even supposed to buck with me or wouldn't buck with anyone else, but they'd buck with me. Um, Donnie Gay come up to me at, at that time, him and Monty Henson, they just graduated from high school. He said, hot man, I like your style. I want to travel with you. I want to be baby hot. So I said, you're in there, kid. And uh, a lot of the old hands said, what are you doing traveling them kids? I said, one word, enthusiasm. I said, I'm 10 years older than these guys. And just hanging out with them makes me feel like I'm, you know, I'm 18 again. Um, I don't think I ever had more fun or had a better summer rodeoing and winning and hanging out with Donnie Gay and, and Monty Henson. Uh, it was just a pure fun. Everywhere we went, uh, you know, we were we were telling stories and I was talking positive thinking and talking about winning, you know, and, and uh, they went on to be two of the greatest, you know, of all time. And, uh, you know, we're talking about goal setting. Uh, I set them both down one day and I said, okay, 15 years now, what have you accomplished? You know, and Donnie was the first one to answer. And he said, I've won more world championships than anyone's ever won. And I said, that's great, but you're only going to win one at a time. And when you win that first one, you know, enjoy your 15 minutes of fame and then leave that behind. And when you're going into that next one, go in wanting to win a world championship, not as if you're already a world champion. And, uh, and when he won his first one, he walked over to my table and he, tossed me the buckle and said, take a good look, champ, for a seal on the way to the mountain. You know, so went on to win eight, and then Donnie, or Monty went on to be one of the greatest saddle bronc riders of all time. So, you know, I think he still holds the record for most NFR championships, three world championships, two more, one he lost by $100, one he lost for $5. So he very easily could have been a five-time world champion. And the record is six. So uh, whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe in, and enthusiastically act upon must inevitably come to pass. You know, so, uh, you know, it's, it's just like jumping off a building. You can't see the forces there, but uh, you'll feel them when you hit the ground. You know, the forces of positive thinking and, and goal setting, uh, as the old saying goes, uh, if you know where you're going, you can get there. They're, they're, you can't see them, but they're there, you know, and you just have to tap into them with, through your own mind and through your own thoughts. And, and once you get that going, let me tell you what, uh, uh, there is no limit to what you can become. 
Anyway, getting back to Buddy Heaton, Buffalo Buddy Heaton. Uh, anyway, he was born in 1929. We did Casey Tibbs yesterday. He was born in 1929. I think uh, Casey was January and, and Buddy was in March of uh, 1929. Buddy was from Kansas, uh, a real wild man. You know, I, th I think he first come into prominence uh, when Kev President Kennedy was uh, being inaugurated, or however you put it. Um, his inauguration was on a cold day, I think in January, something like that. Um, streets rise, see there in Washington, they had a parade, you know, and him and all his dignitaries were out front and, you know, all these, um, you know, different marching bands and different stuff were coming down the street there in this parade. Well, buddy wasn't invited to the parade, but he put his Buffalo, he had an old Buffalo he rode and he put him in a truck, drove him up there, jumped him out, got on him and and come riding down the parade uninvited when he gets even with, uh, he, I mean, he had run down there. I remember seeing it on TV because I was a kid. Uh, well, I wasn't a kid. I was, I was probably in my early, it was part of my rodeo days, probably 20, 21 years old at the time. But uh, I, me and my dad were watching the inauguration and, and my dad said, look at this son of a bitch. You know, he'd, he'd run that old Buffalo down, down the street and then, and then just slide him on that ice, you know, and then spin him around. And boy, I mean, he had him working like a doggone cutting horse. Well, when he gets even with the president, he just turns and heads straight toward him, you know, and, and his wonder hand got shot by the Secret Service, but they were so scared of that buffalo, they turned and ran, you know. I think they probably lost their jobs. But he rode right up, shook hands with the president, and, and President Kenny was laughing, you know, him and Johnson, all them guys, they were laughing like hell. So um, that was the first people, first time people really got a, got a shot at uh, who Buffalo Buddy Heaton was. Now, um, Fort Worth, Texas, uh, well, before Fort Worth was actually Madison Square Garden, um, Gene Autry and, uh, and uh, Roy Rogers were the big cowboy stars of the day. They were singing cowboys. And Roy Rogers was a guest star there, and he had this horse called Trigger, who was a real pretty palomino, and he'd run out and rear him up and then pull his six guns out and shoot him in the air, you know. And, and so, uh, you know, all us kids, you know, of the day, I mean, he was like king of the cowboys, Roy Rogers. So, anyway, he'd, every night he'd ride out there and rare old trigger up, start shooting a six gun. Well, Buddy goes down to uh, the, uh, you know, uh, Central Park, goes to Central Park and uh, catches him some pigeons, rings their neck. And then he gets up in the, uh, up in the, in the, the top of the, the, uh, the Coliseum there, the Madison Square Garden. And uh, when, when Roy Rogers rides out and starts, rears up and starts shooting his six guns, he starts throwing pigeons down and they come floating down. All the people start booing, you know, they think he's actually shooting these doggone pigeons, you know? And uh, so uh, anyway, uh, another deal he did was uh, in Fort Worth, uh, he went and borrowed some coveralls from the utility workers. And, uh, and then he told the announcer, he said, uh, by the way, so I'm doing a little act up in the, up in the rafters. So uh, tell the people that the, uh, if they see the lights are shaking stuff up in the rafters that the utility workers up there working on, working on the lights. So anyway, he goes down to a slaughterhouse and, and gets blood and guts and fills this, his dummy that he's got uh, the coveralls on completely full of blood and guts. And he's up there at the top of that doggone the Coliseum on a ramp up there and, and uh, you know, after the announcer announces, uh, you know, about the, the utility workers working up there, you hear this blood curdling scream and out of the 
out of the rafters falls this dummy, hits in the middle of the arena, and these blood, blood and guts fall out. <laughs> and, and I mean, they shut the rodeo down. They were packing old people out of there for 30, 40 minutes, you know, that had heart attacks and just like, I mean, it was, it was a melee. But uh, anyway, that got Buddy kicked out of, uh, of the United States. He couldn't, he couldn't work rodeos down here anymore. So he went up to Canada to finish his career. And, uh, you know, a lot of stories about Buddy, Buddy Heaton up there. Anyway, that old Buffalo, he used to, he used to take him to the racetrack and race him, you know, and he was, that somebody could fly. There was another guy who had one. Uh, anyway, he, he did the same thing. He'd go to the racetracks and race them quarter horses. And, and the Buffalo, uh, they're not fast off the line, but they, they really pick up a lot of speed, you know, so they'd catch them horses towards them, towards the finish line and pass them. So um, anyway, Bar and Buddy, he was kind of famous for that. But anyway, they, they was having a, uh, a big match race, you know, and all these guys got together and it's, they was betting on you and their horses, you know, my God, I got the best horse. I got the best horse, but he had this old nag that everybody knew, knew, knew couldn't beat anybody, you know? And so he entered this doggone nag in, uh, in this match race, you know? And so there's, they're coming out of the gates like they do at the, at a, at a regular racetrack. And so buddy had, had a, had a bear, and he'd rub this bear shit around the, the feeder of, of his horse every day. So he got used to that smell. Then the night before the big race, he goes down there and smears bear, bear shit all over the front of the, the starting gates. So, so when them other horses come in there, that bear shit was driving them nuts. They were raring and, you know, they had a hell enough time getting them in there. But when, uh, when they, when they opened the gate for the horses to come out, to run out, buddies is the only one to come out. The other ones were raring up and, you know, scared to go, towards that bear shit, you know, he run down there and won the race, you know? So everybody knew he'd done something. They didn't know what, but, uh, uh, but then buddy was one up on him, you know, Toronto, the year I was in Toronto, 1965, uh, buddy would go down to a car dealership and he'd uh, have them donate him a pickup to jump his Buffalo in, you know? So he'd, he'd, uh, Oh, Buffalo was so mean. He'd get on him in the bucket shoots, you know, I don't think he could mount him like a regular horse as somebody was, was about half on him. So he'd get on him in the bucket shoots. And once, once he got on him, he could he'd get out there and do do things just like a reining horse. I mean, he really had a good rein and a good handle on that buffalo. But he uh, at the end of the at the end of the show, he runs and jumps this buffalo in the back of this pickup. And uh, it seems like it was moving as he did. And then he rolls right out over the over the hood and crashes into the to the hood. And I mean, Buddy had to weigh 250 pounds. He didn't have an ounce of fat on him, but he was a big man, big stout guy, and uh, cleaned out a lot of bars by himself. He was tougher than, you know, we was going to stay at a hotel in Canada one time. They wouldn't let no cowboys in because Buddy had whipped everybody in there the year before. So uh, anyway, he crashed into that hood and just demolished that hood. So by the time the week was over, that pickup wasn't worth much. But maybe they just, uh, they, you know, haven't had Buddy mess it up. Maybe that was something that someone wanted to get it for him. Um, anyway, that Buffalo, Buffaloes are dangerous. I don't know whether you ever know much about Buffaloes, but, uh, probably the most dangerous animal in North America, more people get killed in Yellowstone park uh, by Buffalo than they do by bear because they're dangerous and they'll act like they don't see you. And then when you get too close, they'll turn and run you down, do a headstand on you. I mean, they, uh, they're, they're dangerous, really dangerous. In fact, uh, I went to see buddy when he was in a rest home in Kansas, just to, you know, to get some of these wild west stories. And I was writing on a show called Deadwood then. And uh, so I thought every story I could get would, would be really good. And uh, 
but he was telling me that after they put him in his rest home, his son took over the buffalo and he was trying to load him one day and, and uh, the rope broke and then he ran and climbed the tree and the, and the limb broke. He fell back on the ground. The buffalo got on him, crushed him and killed him, you know, so um, nothing to mess with. Um, I remember the last words I said to Buddy. I said, Buddy, um, if you had to do it over again, you know, would you do it? Would you do it the same? He said, I'd come at him stronger. You know? So he just, uh, he was a character and, and uh, some of the wild things he did and the, the wildlife he lived. Uh, but, you know, that's what makes memories. That's what makes people memorable. And Buddy Heaton was, uh, he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, but I really think he should be. I think he's just because he's so crazy if you ever put him in there, but he should be in the, in the Rodeo Cowboys Hall of Fame because he was one of a kind. Thank you very much and uh, try to join us tomorrow and uh, we'll be uh, covering another subject and we'll have another, um, the life of another character from the days of uh, my own rodeo days. Anyway, have a good day, y'all. Adios. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.